Celtics lose. I got it right this time. 100 to 99 in overtime. It's just me and Jimmy tonight, but it just feels so right. Garden Report, Celtics blog, and CLNS Radio. Ball in overtime, 100 to 99. This is the Garden Report on Celtics blog and CLNS Radio. My name happens to be Jared White. This happens to be. Jimmy Toscano. He yeah. reps Celtics blog. I rep CLNS radio. And real quick, I was gonna say before you cut me off, not knowing you not you not knowing that, I was gonna say we're firehouse because we choose to be firehouse. It's not because we shouldn't have yet. Well, partly because we well, it was forty. It was kind of a late game. It's kind of everybody sprinting out the door for uh, for the train. It was a seven o'clock start. We thought we were gonna be out of yeah. here at the harp getting hammered by about ten o'clock. <laughs> But that fell apart because we went into overtime. Celtics, uh, they look like they're about to win the game. Most of the time. And then a crazy jump ball happens, a crazy sequence. Bellinelli ends up with the ball flying down the floor. He goes up for it and loses it. And the ball just dribbles out to Kirk Heinrich, who hits the shot to send it to OT. That's how they drew it up. Exactly. Exactly how they drew it up. It was a crazy game. Then Bellinelli ends up uh, getting the ball. Uh, kind of, he kind of cuts down, yeah. gets the ball. We'll talk about it later. He hits a falling down uh, fadeaway. On balance, fadeaway. Good shot. It's falling it. down on ever on balance. Yes. Okay. If you're extremely coordinated, you can fall down <laughs> on balance. Okay, well, Bellinelli's not that coordinated. So it ended up being an unbelievable game winner, one of the best game winners of the year. We're going to talk about that play. We're going to talk about Rajon Rondo, who hasn't been really in all-star form lately. Uh, He becomes the all-star starter by virtue of fans using their Twitter accounts. Uh, And now he's actually playing like an an all-star starter. He looks pretty damn good. Speaking of Twitter accounts, we're opening up the Twitter bag uh, for the first time this year. Right. We're going to answer a couple of your questions. we got a ton of questions piling in. We're going to get through them throughout the course of the next couple of weeks, but keep them going so that eventually we can never answer your question. You like uh, but, but we feel special. No bills, though. No bills. Okay. Uh, let's start with that uh, final sequence of regulation. The ball gets inbounded from Rondo to – actually, who the hell got the ball on that play? I can't even remember right now. It was Pierce. Yeah. yeah, it was Bruce, right? All right, professionalism. So. Professionalism. Uh, so he gets, tied up. he gets tied up by a couple guys. They call a jump ball because a hand made contact with the ball for about 0.27 seconds. Oh, that, that position. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. You're, you're talking about oh, Okay, no, no. We're talking about the last of regulation. Um, uh, Jimmy's yeah. on the ball right now. But, so, <laughs> speaking of on the ball. He it up in the corner. Noah and who was the other player? There was the Jimmy Butler and Jimmy then. Jimmy Butler and Noah. Yeah. They double teamed. You know, collapsed on him. Yeah. That was the play that that Thibodeau drew up. And the both players said it after him. They said, he said this is going to happen. They were in about it. If they do, towards the corner, double team, don't foul right away. Try to go for the jump ball. And if you can't, you know, if you can't foul. And obviously, you know, was it a foul? Was it a jump ball? Who actually caused the jump ball? We'll never know. Yeah, but it looked on the replay like Jimmy Butler was the one that actually caused the jump ball. Right, yeah. Uh, it was a pretty short uh, But obviously, the I mean, the Bulls are, you know, they're smart. They're going to send their biggest guy out there and tell him not to go out there. Don't wait for them. Exactly. So Noah goes out. He wins the tip over Pierce because it's a bit of a mismatch on the tip yep. there. It goes to Bellinelli, who flies down the court. And he's able to fumble the ball and let it dribble out to, to Heinrich. Heinrich. Great pass. Great pass. He's just 
Heinrich sitting there wide open at 18 feet. He nails a shot. It's an amazing shot. Unbelievable, uh, unbelievable play there. Great balls. I mean, kicking balls from the shot and the buzzer like that. So they did it once. They did it again in overtime. Yeah, and so uh, let's hear what Doc had to say about that jump ball play and what he thought actually happened, what he thought should have happened, which is important to know. And I thought Rondo actually called the timeout before the foul was called as well. If you watch the replay, Rondo was right in front of Mark Davis and, and did timeout signal, and then the foul was called. So, uh, but we got to expect that, and, and not from the refs, I'm talking about ourselves. You know, we talked about it, you knew they were going to trap, and we got to just do whatever you can not to get tied up. Now, the problem is I didn't see it. I, didn't, I never saw the actual tie-up. Uh, I thought it was more swinging, so you guys probably saw it on replay. I haven't, so I, I, I can't answer the question. So now let's. Uh, now we've heard from Doc. I mean, what did? What do you think of the final play there? Do you think that they should have had the guy out on Heinrich, or is that just kind of a smooth, lucky play? I mean, that's fluky because you're in transition at that point. Everyone's just sort of trying to get back, find a man, and I mean, the ball wasn't supposed to go to Heinrich. I mean, I think the Celtics did a good job. You know, knocking the ball away from Bellinelli, and it's just unfortunate that there's Heinrich is standing there, sort of out of the play. Lucky me, you know, there's the game winner. Right? I mean, there's the, you know, the shot that tire, brings yeah. it in overtime. Great play by Soli, by the you way. Can't really it out the you can't really Yeah, you can't fault the Celtics for the, for the way that you know, that happened. I mean, I think before that, if you want to go all the way back to, you know, when you're when you're up three, you foul, and they foul, and then Heinrich just swung the other. Yeah. I mean, maybe if they don't foul. I mean, who knows? There's a million different ways the game could have could have ended if they don't foul or if they do, you know, it's just untouched. We can sit here all day and talk about what could have happened if they did this, but um, I think the overtime Celtics obviously had a chance to win the game. Terry hit that shot, and I thought for sure that, you know, just a nice defense was going to, you know, win the game, and they played good defense. Terry again played good defense on Bellinelli. Oh, they were forced, yeah. they were determined to get the ball to Bellinelli on that last possession. I'm sure Thibodeau probably said, Whoever, whoever Terry's guarding, you know, get, get it to him. And that was a tough shot that he hit. I mean, that was a tough shot. Like we said, the balance, he was balance, off balance and not balance, but off yeah. balance and fade away. And nothing really Terry could do at that point. I think he played good defense right up until that point. And spinning, by the way, because he was cutting down towards the baseline yeah. to get the ball from Boozer, and then he turns around, spins, and fades away. So that's what's really impressive about it. Uh, those, are the, those are the ones that hurt. I mean, I've talked yeah. to just about every player about whether or not they'd rather get blown out or lose in that way. And just about all of them say, you know, they'd rather get blown out than lose. In just a, really a time to process. <laughs> right. I mean, when, you, when you are that close to winning and you yeah. even have to lead the last time, like, they have it taken away so quickly, that's really, you know, that's a downer moment. And another uh, downer moment for the Bulls, Luol Deng goes out yeah. in the third quarter. Yeah. The fact that they win this game with Deng going out, relying on Bellinelli to, to make some offensive plays, it's, it's amazing that Bellinelli was the guy getting the ball at the end of the game, even in the overtime. Right. He yeah. doesn't seem like a, you know, the closer on the team, but listen, not only do they not have Deng for the end of the game, but some guy named Derek, what's his last name? Rose? Rose. Ro- yeah. Ricky is it, Rose. Is, is it that, a Hardy? Yeah. Either way, you know, when, when you're playing the Bulls and they don't have those two players in the fourth quarter, you really should win that. Yeah. I mean, you really should make a game. I don't care if you have Avery Bradley or not. I mean, if both teams are healthy, it's, it's going to be a good game. So I think that if both teams are healthy, I think I can give the edge to the Bulls because I think Rose is just that good of a really? player. No. Well, I think he's that good of a player, obviously. Um, but either way, it's a close. It's a close game. And tonight was a close game without those guys. So. Okay, let's talk about a good player, a good point guard that actually played tonight. Yeah. John Rondo, back into all-star form. 
I think it's he forgot he was an all star and then he got the all star nod. And then he remember, yeah, he's daring fans I'm trying to make it interesting so, in the voting. How how good is this team with Rondo playing well when they can get the other guys playing well? How good how good does Rondo look tonight, and how good does he need to be when these guys aren't playing? I mean, it, they look they look good tonight on offense. It was the defense that was a little sketchy at times, but the offense was a little sketchy too. But not because of Rondo. Yeah. I think the offense can exist, can function, and can be good with Rondo scoring. I think you know just because he scores 30 points and has five assists doesn't mean that the rest of the team has to go cold. Unfortunately, tonight I thought that a lot of the guys in the Celtics did go cold. I mean, they shot 42 percent tonight, um, but you know Rondo was 12 for 21, and I think that. You know, when you shoot 12 or 21, there's no complaint. And I can't, I can't yeah. complain about that style of play. I think that, you know, last game we were kind of getting on the guards for not being aggressive and not driving to the team and, and getting, you know, shots the hard way, you know, settling for jumping. And I think Rondo tonight, on numerous occasions, all game, he was driving to the hoop. He was, you know, making flashy moves. He was quick, cutting, and everything. I mean, that's the type of Rondo that, you know, the Celtics need. I mean, obviously you want to see him getting his, his guys into the game, but, you know, how many times can you force it to... Jason Terry or Courtney Lee or Jeff Green and just watch them miss. I mean, at some point, you got to take matters into your own hand. I think Rondo did that for him. He did that well tonight. And the Celtics, and he put the Celtics in a position to win. Obviously, what fouled out in the overtime was, was huge because what happened at that point is Doc has to pretty much play the role of point guard. He had to call a timeout essentially every time the Celtics had, were on offense because he had to drop the play because Rondo was not there to drop the play. And I think that, you know, it would, it, and at this point, you don't need. Like, they can run the same plays with Rondo or without Rondo, but it's obviously good to have your quarterback, your point guard out there to do that, and obviously the skill involved is when you substitute, you know, Courtney Lee for him, then you lose your, you lose your quarterback. So Doc had to call the timeouts, and it really hurt them at the end because obviously when Bellinelli hit that shot, they had no timeouts left. In. That was the rushed, you know, Courtney Lee three-pointer heave, so... And part of the problem is Rondo, who had been so aggressive. And important to note, two uh, numbers here. He had 21 shots, which is a ton for him, yeah. and nine free throws, which means he took really yeah. about 24, 25 shots. So yeah. an unbelievably high usage rate for Rondo tonight, because he had seven assists also and six fouls. So he's really using And I thought they were good shots. Yeah. yeah. That's the thing. is Most of them were good shots. Even the ones in overtime that he was flanking, yeah. they were still pretty decent shots. The shots he was taking for most of the game. I mean, when you're hot, you're hot, and he keeps shooting in overtime. Yeah. I don't mind. And if he, if he was two for 19 going into the overtime, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want him to be shooting that way. But you know, when you're when you're 12 for 19 at that point, when you, before he went up to two, I mean, yeah, he just got that. All right. Well, hockey fans, you can hear it getting started in the background. Now let's hear what Pierce had to say about Rondo tonight. Rondo did a good job pushing the ball most of the game, especially in the fourth quarter. Uh, we was able to uh, get some more easy opportunities. Uh, All right, so time for boxing out. I'm going to start this one off. That's Screw you. Up, I'm starting this one off. I'm going number five. But we're doing we're doing it a couple times because it's only two of us so far, and Jimmy can't even hear me. We're going to do a couple each. Uh, for me, Rondo hits five mid-range shots. The mid-range shot carried him. That's that's what he was doing well. He allowed that to catalyze his offensive game because. They weren't respecting his uh, his shooting. They weren't stepping up. They were they weren't necessarily sagging, but they weren't stepping up. He was hitting it, but he also was hitting them with guys in his eyes. Ryan game. All right, guys now. in his eyes. I like that. I agree with you. I thought the, the, the mid game shot was definitely a big point tonight. But I do like his aggressiveness to the to the hoop. 
more than I like. Is that what it's called? Okay. To the hoop. I was going to say hoop, rim, rim yeah. paint. Yeah, I felt it. Yeah. But, yeah. Greg it's nice paint. to see him hit the jumpers. We know he can drive and do the flashy stuff. It's nice to see the jumpers. Yeah. Well. Are you going? Are you no, you're going next. Two? We're switching. Oh, off. we're going to go. Oh, okay. it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. Game. Okay. Um, which one do I want to Okay, I'll do turnovers tonight. Okay. Why turnovers? Celtics caused 21 turnovers. Whether or not they caused them, whatever. The, the Bulls had 21 turnovers. The Celtics turnovers. witnessed 21 right. turnovers. 21 turnovers, just seven points off those turnovers from the Celtics. Okay. Not taking advantage of all the turnovers. They scored just three points off turnovers from the second quarter to the end of the game. I mean, that's just... I mean, how is that even possible? And I know Doc, after the game, was like befuddled with that stat because you know he thinks that you should at least get one point off every turnover. Exactly. So the fact that they only got seven out of 21 turnovers is kind of the difference in this game. He seemed kind of hurt when it was brought up. He like, he looked, I thought he was going to cry a little bit. He seemed kind of like sad when that number was brought up. Um, for me, the other number, well, I said it before, number five, five offensive rebounds for Jared Solinger uh, in the fourth quarter. He was, I thought, one of the key reasons why they were able to kind of yes. expand and come back in the fourth quarter was that he was forcing stops. They weren't really getting stops. I mean, the, the Bulls shot 48%. They were allowing a little bit of offensive rebounding. Boozer with six offensive rebounds. Yep. You will hear about this rebound in a second. <laughs> but I thought that Solinger being able to kind of make sure that they were able to get in transition in the fourth quarter was really good and just make sure that they weren't allowed second-chance points. Because if you're going to make a comeback, you just can't have second-chance points being allowed. It's just going to stop the momentum that you have immediately. I agree, and I think that the Bulls, I mean, with Boozer, the way he's been playing over the you know the past, what is it, 10 or so games, yeah. I mean, he's a double-double machine right now. And obviously Noah is a beast on the glass and down low. So, I mean, if you're selling, you can put down 15 boards, five of them offensive. I mean, that says a lot about where you are, you know, at this stage as a rookie, which mm-hmm. I think is pretty high. Really well right now. Okay. Cool. Last stat of the My night. last stat is seven of thirty-two. That's the Celtics' um, three-pointers attempted and made in the last two games. So that's twenty-two percent. They were three of fourteen for three of fourteen tonight. I just think that you know if those some of those three balls are falling, I mean that's just not you know not only is that obviously an extra points, but it's momentum and it, it, the fans get in. But when you change a three, it gets the building going, it gets the team going, and when you Plank one, it's sort of the opposite effect, and that you know those long, Aww. yeah, those long shots end right. up, you know, sometimes you know, long rebounds, and then the other team goes in the fast break, and you might have a guy like Stella or KG under the hoop out of position on the fast break. So I think it's just really important that the Celtics get those three pointers. They got to get those fixed. Yeah, and we got to get the ballers fixed uh, because right now not a lot of Celtics ballers, uh, at least in this game. For me, uh, balling up tonight beyond belief is Carlos Boozer. The guy is definitely in the all-star consideration. Uh, He's climbing his way up there because he's been playing so well of late. Next week's show, Nick's Thursday night game, we're going to start doing some all-star talk because we got we got a point. Are you going to be? Oh, I I think there's a chance. Making a late run. He's making a very late run. I feel like he made a late, too late, run too late. Okay, but let me tell you how strong his run was. It was 19 points tonight. In 43 minutes, 8 for 17 shooting, 20 rebounds. Carlos Cruz are 20 rebounds. With Joe Keem having 13 as well. Uh, by the way, six, I said it before, but six of those rebounds uh, for him are offensive. And the other one is four assists for him. That's a lot of assists for Carlos Boozer, not a guy really known for shelving the ball. You know, Noah had four assists. You expect that from him. 
uh, but not really from Carlos. But so it's just a great, well-rounded game for Boozer tonight. Yeah, um, I'm going to keep mine short because we've talked about him a lot already. I'm going to be kind of like the homer here. I'm going to pick Rondo as the player of the game. I thought that he, by, you know, obviously was the player of the game for the Celtics. Mm-hmm. I do think that Boozer was a huge major for the Bulls and they did win the game, so that obviously nothing. I just think Rondo elevated the game to the offensive then. And I didn't think that he was much of a liability on defense either. I mean, not that he's ever a liability, but sometimes we see him sort of, you know, take uh, games off eh, defensively. Plays. I was going to say quarters plays. off. I was going to say plays, but in general, I thought that you know, defensively, whatever, offensively, great. And I like, I love the fact that he's attacking the hoop. And like you mentioned earlier, he's hitting those outside shots, those you know, those jump shots. So it's good to see. And if you know, if the Celtics won tonight, he's going to be your player of the game too. So I mean, it's one of yeah. those things where he had a really great game. All right. Let's open up the Twitter bag. Um, oh, see if we got any uh, tweets in here. Tweets. There we go. Pulling out some tweets. <laughs> Get them out. Oh, God. So first on the Twitter bag, from <laughs> Express Realism, who do the Celtics trade if they go for a big man? Who's the big man? That they trade who do they trade if, they, if they're going for a big man? Yeah. Well, I, I think Danny's looking for a big man. I do not think that we're going to see a legit, amazing big man come in here. He's, he said it a couple of days ago on TSN. I mean, he's not going to blow up the team. He doesn't think it makes sense to make a big trade and sort of you know blow up the team in a way and, yeah. and cause a whole commotion for the you know because that's going to that might ruin the chemistry for the rest of the people who thought when they traded Perkins away. That sort of messed with everybody. So I don't think he's going to do that. I think the team constructed is still coming this year. Whether or not they are at the rate everyone else wants them to. Doesn't matter. To him. The agent doesn't care what he's thinking. He's going to see how this team can sort of mold them. I mean, if they did go for Gortat, I know that it would probably take Bradley, and I am against against trading Bradley for anything short of a superstar. Because I think that Bradley has the ability to. I'm not saying he's going to be the next MVP, but I think he has the ability to be uh, an all-star for you know multiple years. So I'm not willing to just trade him for a year or two of size when I think that there might be some short-term options that they can I mean, with Gortat... money, they got a couple of rosters. Okay, so with Gortat, they don't give up Bradley. I think it's something to consider. If you can pass with something like yeah. Lee and Bass, if they're willing to take that on, I think that's something that you I probably would, have to I would definitely But what if it's still in your involved? No. an absolute non-starter for you? That's, at some point, you got to... I mean, you have to... You have to balance the future and the present. You can't yeah. just trade Bradley and Sellinger and Melo and everyone that isn't like a star now. We trade every single player on the team. Every, except we trade everyone 22 and under because they're not super professional. No, it doesn't work that way. You gotta, I mean, as a general manager, Ainge has to be able to balance the future and the present. I think he's doing a good job with that because he's brought in some pieces that are younger and he's drafted some guys that look to help the team for years to come. He's also the players now that are, you know, the superstars like the Rondo and you know, Kevin Garnett, if you want to call him a superstar or not. He's, starting in the All-Star game, and yeah. he doesn't think he deserves it, but I think that he's pretty, you know, he's still a player that, he's a star, and so is Pierce, and Terry to an extent, so you can't just trade all your young guys for one or, for a guy that you think might help you, now. Okay, but I, I agree. But seeing that, I think Bass and, and Lee are expensive. All right, closing the machine now, last Twitter question from at Adam Hart, why does it feel like Bass isn't playing as well as he did last year? Um, short answer because it's not. <laughs> um, and and the other reason I think is well, listen, his minutes are down from last year. His points are down, his rebounds. I mean, everything's kind of down. I mean, and his defense hasn't been exactly where it needs to be either. Not that it ever was, but I think 
he has shown improvements from when he got here, but I just don't think it's where it needs to be consistently. Um, I do also think that the emergence of Jared, Sel- of Jared Selinger is the biggest reason why we're looking at that more negatively because we're looking at Selinger so positive. Yeah. And we're saying, oh my God, look at Selinger, he's doing this, he's doing that. He's grabbing all these boards. Why doesn't Bass grab these boards? And Bass isn't the guy that's going to do it. He's the guy that's going to hit jump shots. And if he's hitting his jump shots, then that's what he's good for. Last year, he was hitting his jump shots. This year, he's not hitting him at the rate that he was. So now we're saying, why is this guy out there? He's not doing the only thing that we need him to do, and that's his jumper. So, and I think that the thing about, the thing about that is it comes and it goes. Like, we start with Lee, we'll be with you with that. Your thoughts? Well, my thoughts is that while the show's about to end, Bass is not getting the consistency that he got last year. That was what was so important for him, being able to have that pretty much consistent role. This year, he's switching up a cylinder so often, it's just very difficult for him to have that consistency going. All right, so a shout-out to Christina. Good thing you the game tonight, girl. Uh, you have any shout-outs? Um, shout-out to my girlfriend who's been waiting for me for, like, two hours. So okay, well, let's, go, let's go visit your girlfriend. My girlfriend's been waiting for me, too. Okay. Making girlfriends furious, rocking green ties. That's how we do it on the Garden Report. Andrew's not going to last this long into the show, so she'll never know. <laughs> Don't worry, my one either. All right. Oh, there we go. I'm coughing just like the camera guy uh, in the garden. Yeah. Check the tape uh, on the KG1. Camera guys need water, too. Um, garden Report needs love. So show us your love. Hit us up on Twitter. Comment on the video. Hear things dropping in the background. Nice job, Lucas, there. Uh, but seriously, check us out on iTunes at the CLNS radio page. Uh, follow us on Twitter at CLNS underscore Jared White at Jimmy Discount. I'm, plug- I'm plugging away here. Facebook friend I'm plugging me. away. Facebook friend me. Hit me up on Instagram and Foursquare. I don't even use either of those things. Uh, go to Jimmy's house and write him a love letter. That'd be very sweet of you. Hold a blue box over your head. Uh, but seriously, this show is broadcasting on CLNS radio. Uh, the day after the game, which is when you're going to be watching this, uh, for Jimmy Toscano, who hates life right now, and for me, Jared Weiss, and for Lucas Carolyn, who's screaming behind the camera, Celtics fall 199 in overtime. This is the Garden Report on Celtics Blog and CLNS Radio. We're out.